Have you ever thought about how incredibly complex our spit is? It may only be 99% water, but just saliva isn't simple. That remaining 1% holds incredibly meaningful information that could change everything. And I'm not just talking about your family tree. Hi, I'm Baratunde Thurston, and on this season of Spit, an iHeartRadio podcast with 23andMe, we explore how DNA isn't just about ancestry. It can also be key to understanding your health. Hey, hey, it's Baratunde. Welcome back. It is hard to deny that family, la familia, is the most important aspect of an Italian's life. We've seen the movies, read the books, sat around the table family style, and we've witnessed the bond of this highly passionate community. The Italian family life can be characterized by loyalty and closeness. And Lowell Berlanti's family, it's no different. Lowell is the host of the popular podcast Prodigy, a show that investigates human psychology. For this special episode, Lowell sets out to connect with his family after taking the 23andMe test, and they lightheartedly share stories of their pasts, challenge each other on who's more likely to start balding earlier. This family connection, sparking all kinds of conversations, memories new and old, is exactly why so many families like Lowell's are drawn to taking the 23andMe test together. It's only when Lowell receives an unexpected call from his brother that he's forced to look beyond ancestry and the more playful traits and take a closer look at his own health history. It's a wake-up call, he explains, one that will lead him to make smarter choices. He doesn't want to wait until he has an incident to start being healthier. Let's listen in as Lowell goes on a journey of personal health discovery, connecting with other family members to talk about what it means to understand your health and what your genetic makeup can say about you. You're listening to Prodigy. My name is Lowell Brillanti. <clears throat> Sorry. My name is Lowell Brillante. Brillanti. I'm really not sure how you're supposed to say it, but it's one of the three Italian words I know. The others are buongiorno and manja. I never gave it much thought until people started asking me, is that really your name? Yeah, it's not a pen name. It means brilliant in Italian. Because I come from a long line of geniuses, or narcissists. We don't really look at it in my opinion, but I'm told we're Italian. My dad can speak it fluently. He learned it from his parents while growing up in Brooklyn, New York. Which I imagine was like the beginning of a Sorsese film. He would tell me stories about his mom's loving hospitality, her wonderful cooking, and how quickly she could remove her shoe and fire it at you if you got out of line. It was a less civilized time compared to today's standards. The shoe throwing was one of many stories my father would tell me. The passing of those stories felt like school. They were mandated. Not by a school board, but by the human need to pass things on. Being Italian is a point of pride to my parents. Every Christmas Eve, I had the dinner of the seven fishes and boogie at the Italian American Club's Christmas party. To this day, every time we go to an Italian restaurant, my dad will find a reason to chat with the owner while emphatically gesturing with his hands. On those occasions, he'll bust out the absolute fanciest pronunciation. Brillante. It's familiar to me, but to be honest, I never really cared that much. 
I don't feel all that Italian. I was born in the South. I don't own a single gold chain, and my hair looks terrible when I slick it back. But I can cook. I'm not sure if cooking was a genetic hand-me-down, but if it was, I got it from my dad. He can whip up a pasta dish to go with your second espresso in no time at all. Stereotypes aside, I think I was born just one too many generations removed. My grandparents all passed away before I was old enough to remember them. They didn't exactly leave behind many selfies. I have some old photographs of stiffly posed people I don't recognize, and my father's stories. Honestly, I don't even recall how they died, but I know they were relatively young. I'm over here door-dashing Dunkin' Donuts without any regard to what could be lurking in my genetic code. This episode was sponsored by 23andMe, and to be completely honest, I don't really want to see the health report. I never get sick, I'm not obese, I'm not charming, but some women do appreciate my arms. Mentally, I feel pretty decent about my health. Why mess with that? What if there's something in there I can't control? It's the fear of finding out. The fofo. It's fun to say, fofo. So for this episode, maybe I'll just focus on the ancestry part. I can connect with a third cousin that I'm not sure if it's okay to be attracted to, and learn how to make mozzarella. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Learn how to make mozzarella. My name is Lowell Brillante, and this is Prodigy. All right, the reports are in. Time to find out if I'm actually Italian or just short. Okay, it's broken down into three main categories with several subcategories. I'm going to round decimals here. In the first category, I'm 83% European, and 82% of that is Italian, mostly from Sicily. So my parents weren't lying. And, oh, look at this, 0.2% Jewish. That gives me a few extra holidays. Next category is Western Asian and North African. 17%. The subcategories are a bit of a mishmash, but the main ones I see are Coptic, Egyptian, and Cypriot. I'm not sure how to say that. I couldn't point those out on a map, but luckily it shows you one. The final category is 0.7% Sub-Saharan African, specifically Ghanaian, Liberian, and Sierra Leonean. 0.7%? That makes me curious how many generations you have to go back to find that ancestor. Probably not many, since each generation you go up by multiples of two. Two parents, four grandparents, eight great-grandparents, 16 great-great-grandparents. If I go up 10 generations, there's 1,024 people contributing to my DNA. But anyway, I'm mostly Italian. I should probably call my dad and hear one of those childhood stories I used to ignore. We had a Lavodi's market, which was a, was, was a chicken market. You'd go there and you'd point to the chicken and be alive. And then the guy would take it and say, this is where you want to slow and then put in a machine that would boil, you know, a real hot machine, take all the feathers off, like a rotating machine. With, and you, there were your chicken, package it up and give it to you. Oh my God, that's how fresh it was. Yeah, that's, that's Brooklyn. Yeah, that was Brooklyn. Do you think you would pick the chicken he hated the most or like, or which one looked the most delicious? <laughs> well, when you went to Lavodi's, I don't know, my father always did it. I never picked any chicken. One guy was like, wait, 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 let me pick. And you're like, all right, watch out for that guy. (laughs) (laughs) How did your parents punish you? My mother was the one. My father never hit us at all. He would threaten, but he never did. My mother would hit me with a shoe, and she'd come after me, and she'd grab me. You you ran from her. (laughs) 
on the head with she had these shoes like a slipper and it was wood inside of it like hitting someone with a bat on the head <laughs> that's the hardest thing and then she could throw it she was really really good at throwing it you could be like 15 feet away and she'd hit you in the head <laughs> incredible <laughs> She beat me with it. I mean, she was, she was really neat. But we loved her. She was someone that we absolutely loved. Even though she beat us, we absolutely loved every one of us, five of us. And everyone that knew her would love her. Anybody was invited to our house. The guy would be the mailman. She'd invite him to dinner. Anybody. Why? She just liked doing nice things for people? She was just very generous, and she was tough, but she was very, very generous. What she did and how she treated people, everybody seemed to like her, even her neighbors. She just thought she was a very decent person. You're sick, she brought you things, you know, she would take care of you. Well, that clears things up a bit. Turns out I'm a descendant of a kind and generous woman that weaponized her footwear to beat her children better. I wonder if 23andMe will hear this, or if they're spending all their time on Mini Driver's episode. Oh, getting a phone call from my sister. Hang on. Hello? Okay, yeah, hang on. So my cousin Josie is visiting, and she did 23andMe too. She wants to compare reports, so I'm going to hit record and open up the website on my new custom-built PC. No, you got to get the app. <sighs> All right, fine. But it better not send me 50 notifications like DoorDash. That's how I just sent you a request or an invitation. I don't know what it's called, an invitation to share. Once you accept Lowell, we can do a side-by-side. It is pretty amazing that it knows, like, if your first cousin or your second cousin wants removed or... Yeah. Look at that. You're, like, you're pretty Asian, Lowell. Me? (laughs) And me, I guess. (laughs) Western Asian and North African. 16%, that's, like, a lot more than Josie is. So he is a lot more Arab, Egyptian, and Levantine than I am. I'm one and a half and he's six and a half. Yeah. And then all this other stuff that I have zero. He's, he's got, got um, like Northwestern. Where's so where Northern West Asia? Northern They're pretty West excited. Asia. And I'm yeah. kind of realizing why this is such a big deal for families. Northern. I just got a Google map. Oh. So this is so interesting. Josephine, you're like a super Neanderthal. I am? Oh, you are. What's that from? Wait, where, where did you see that? Well, show me that one. <laughs> it, said you're, it just says you're like 5% more than me. I'm pretty sure it doesn't make anything. That makes sense, Well, It explains a lot. Rachel's really Neanderthal. You think I am? Check Rachel out. <laughs> so the Neanderthal percentages are pretty funny because of how the word is commonly used. But it doesn't actually mean anything about Josie's intelligence, stature, or ability to make fire. I could look at this all day long. It's so fun. Josie, how come there's no trait for you on your back hair or your bald spot? Because I'm not seeing that. <laughs> back hair on my bald is that what it, Where's that part? Ooh, Lowell, we're, we're both predisposed to weigh more than average. I don't like that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's a great laugh. <laughs> but she's wrong. Yours says predisposed to weigh more than average. Mine says predisposed to weigh about oh. average. Oh, you're right, Lois. You are right. Oh, oh, my God. Early hair loss. 
No, well, you don't have hair loss. Like, yeah, no, I do. Hair. I do. It, I no mean, like, early hair. This is no early hair. Well, I don't know though. what early is, but like around college, I started to like get thinner, but I still have like hair on my head, you know? Yeah, like, well, it's not lucky in this family. God, it would be so terrible to be bald. So Josie wants me to connect with other family members that have done it too. Call Phil and tell him to accept, send Phil an invitation. I, I've never called Phil before. Or text him. I've never texted him. I'm not even know if it, is is he in the app. I'm not. I don't even have his number. Like in the message group. You know how I messaged you just now. The other number on there is Phil. He's done it. So I sent Phil a request to connect and sign off. The next night I get a phone call, but it's not Phil. It's my brother and sister. One side of my dad's face was drooping, so my mom took him to the hospital. I've been dreading a call like this. Losing a dog last year tore me apart with grief. I don't know how I'll process losing my father. Thankfully, it seems like he's doing okay, but they're keeping him in the hospital so they can run some more scans. My mom goes home for the night, and my dad doesn't have his charger, so we can't reach him. He's probably resting, but I can't shake the thought that he's alone. The next day, my dad gets his charger, and I have a brief chat with him. His speech is a bit slurred, but he's in good spirits. He gets excited telling me about a Netflix show he's watching, and I can hear his speech clear a bit. He's going to be all right. They'll keep him another day for scans, and then he can go home. Josie's mom had a stroke, too. Is that my fate? Is it inevitable, and I should just say screw it and continue to live carefree? Or can I prevent or delay it? Well, it's probably time I look at my health report. My last physical showed high LDL cholesterol, so it wasn't much of a surprise to see an increased likelihood for that and coronary artery disease which is what led to my father's stroke. I can't do anything for my dad at the moment, so I decided to call Phil. His mom is my dad's sister, Aunt Josephine. How you been? I've been well. How about you? But before we start, how is your father? Oh, he's good. But yeah, I guess he had like a mild stroke or whatnot because of, you know, like a blockage in the heart. And they're considering right now whether to have it cleared out surgically. April thinks he should do it. Your mother and father are still considering it. That's my information. Do you have any more? No, that was that's the same information that I have. Because I guess the question is like, will my dad actually change his diet and st- exercise and stuff? Or from what he tells me, he has such a great diet, vegan or vegetarian, vegan. Yeah, well, he does, but and then he'll also, you know, he goes off. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. You know what? I do the same thing. My fear is that it's the same age as Aunt Angela having a stroke. Yeah. Yeah. I did the, um, like the 23andMe Plus one, and it has an increased likelihood for coronary artery disease. And that, I mean, I guess, you know, can lead to stroke. And what do you, what do you look at to avoid that? I mean, do you look at your cholesterol? I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, what if you, so you have a 27% chance of getting coronary like a 27 percent chance higher than the average population i think right. so what do you do between now and 70 to prevent that i'm on webmd actually for how to prevent um this and stroke and it says you know eat a balanced diet cut back on sodium sugar and saturated fat i think sugar was a tough one for my dad yeah and it just says like exercise healthy weight um you know he's not super overweight now but he was always overweight like his entire life you know You've always been thin, right? 
Wow. <laughs> Depends on how you how you're judging me. <laughs> Compared to who? <laughs> yeah, right. For this family, yes. In this family, I would be considered thin. <laughs> I have quite a bit of Neanderthal. In yeah. <laughs> Way more than you. <laughs> Josie has a lot, so I was going to make fun of her. But, uh, oh, what, does she really, Josie? Yeah. She gets that from Uncle Bill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have 11% more than everybody else. Why are we so Neanderthal? I mean, I feel it feels like an insult. Why? Well, you know the um the con- the connotation of the word, you know. Oh, cuz you're a caveman? Yeah, right. Like, like, like the Geico commercial? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Now, let's take a moment and listen to a story of how understanding your health begins with understanding what your genetics say about you. For Derek, 23andMe helped him connect with his brothers, an experience that changed his life. There were so many questions to ask, so many dots to connect. There were seven other brothers and sisters in the house in which I was raised, and I was the only person in the family that wore glasses, so I was always, okay, well, that's, that's a thing. Well, all of my, my paternal folks wear glasses. <laughs> and I went, oh, okay, so now I've got folks that actually look like me and look like me in the way that, <laughs> that I identify myself. I was a college baseball player, come from a family of baseball players. It's eye-opening to me that the thing that I love so much, I shared with this group of people that I didn't know. Through 23andMe, Derek discovered important insights about his family health history. They were lactose intolerant. I'd always carried that, and in my house, my mother always had milk, and I was never team milk. And to find out that from, from my father's side, yeah, they were all lactose intolerant, and there it was right in front of me. From a health standpoint, we communicate back and forth over some of the small things, sleep issues and, and such. But the shared information, shared IQ always makes us smarter. The Garner family has made me smarter about how I live my life. The connections Derek made through 23andMe changed his outlook on life. A lot of it is just clarity. There's one thing to think that you are a certain thing and have some basic understanding of that thing, but then to find out and know who you are and where these things come from and that they're passed along and that they're identical in spaces. The, the mental stress and wear and tear that that's removed from my life, it's exponential. This story was brought to you by 23andMe. Learn more about your ancestry and get personalized genetic insights into your health. Get started today at 23andMe.com. Do you guys have uh, any, anyone with like ADHD? Besides you and me? You, do you? <laughs> Besides you and me? Oh, right. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> have you been diagnosed? Pay attention. These are the jokes. I don't get any better. <laughs> I can't say for sure that somebody in our family has been like, that I feel like that. Yeah, my father. Oh yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm always looking down at right. people younger than me. Uh-huh. Your, yeah, your father has a yeah, he has a touch. That I mean, he he does like to touch everything, and he doesn't he bounces around quite a bit. A touch of it. <laughs> he likes to touch everything. Touches everything. <laughs> One time I was traveling with your father. I had just had we went to the Keys together in my. It was a fairly brand new truck of mine, and we stopped at a rest stop. And your father thought it would be a good idea to take that, you know, that dirty window cleaner by the side of the gas <laughs> yes. pump and wash the, clean the window. Mm-hmm. 
but but on the inside of the truck. <laughs> no, I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, I swear to God, I'm pumping gas, next thing you know, and it's dripping on my dash. You know, all that chemicals and the bug parts. <laughs> I'm going. What, what, what are you doing? <laughs> the inside. The inside. <laughs> did Rachel like connecting with people? Like, why did she buy a, you a, a test? She bought me a test because I asked her to buy me a test. I said, you know, that would be a good uh, Christmas gift for me. So I wanted to do it and didn't want to spend the money. So that would be, I thought it was a good idea. And what got me interested in it was the fact that she told me that she was 50% Italian. So I said, well, for you to be 50% Italian, I need to be 100% Italian. I'm not sure exactly how the science works, but I was close to 100%, but not fully. Yeah, I guess it's, it's like some kind of recombination, I think. Um, or maybe her mom had like, you know. Some Italian Yeah, in. like <laughs> 10 Not like, anymore. <laughs> <laughs> My dad told me he stayed at Phil's house once and there was no food in the fridge. That story made me think that Phil couldn't control his late night ice cream cravings. But turns out he does intermittent fasting. I sleep better when I fast than when I'm full, when I, when I'm, when I eat a lot and I get in the bed and then my body, I'm like hot. You want to see something amazing? You fast and go to bed. You need two blankets. You eat oh. all day. You can't have the sheet on you. When I break that 36 hours, <laughs> this is, I had to find this out the hard way is that, uh, if you go 48 hours and then eat, you better be, you better be by a bathroom. Yeah, you're gonna poop immediately, right? <laughs> it, it will, yes. <laughs> it seems like you've really focused on being thin. And how did you get into it? Oh, because I, th- I think it looks better. Yeah, right. Just vanity. <laughs> <laughs> that is a motivator, though. Yeah, that was the same with me. I just wanted to get uh, ripped so I could get lots of girls. You ain't a rock star, so that's why <laughs> you ain't a rock star and you ain't rich. So that's what you got going for you. I appreciate it. Thanks. Have a good one, Phil. Bye, Lo. Bye. Bye-bye. Remember Josie? Her brother is my cousin Arnold. He's this crazy talented video guy. His mom was my dad's sister, Aunt Angela, and also suffered from strokes. So I rang him up. Actually, this isn't a phone call because Arnold is one of those lovely guests that knows their audio. Ender, relax. Be a good girl. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, your your mom had a stroke too, right? She had a lot. Yeah. Well, she had one massive stroke. Um, she was driving the when she lived in the villages. She lived near Uncle Jerry and Aunt Lou, and she was. I don't know if she was going to the grocery store or something in the middle of the day and she had a stroke and ran through a red light and T-boned another car. Uh, so she got into a really bad accident and uh, she called Uncle Jerry and Uncle Jerry came and picked her up and he thought she was just, you know, shaken up from the accident. Uh, so he brought her back to his house and she kind of stayed there and at dinner... Uh, this is a couple hours later. She was talking to him and she just kind of fell out of her chair onto the floor. 
that was when Uncle Jerry said, oh, we're going to the hospital. So at the hospital, they were like, no, you've had a uh, quite a massive stroke, actually. Um, which isn't, you know, it's... It, if they had known that she had had a stroke and taken her to the hospital, there would have been less damage done, I guess, right? Um, from what I've read about strokes is you have, like, you know, a couple hours to you know, do some massive oxygen intervention and there's some other drug that they can give you to burst up blood clots and whatnot. Yeah. So, I mean, really, if you know that you've had a stroke or even suspect getting to the hospital is like the best thing that you can do. It's a horrible thing that, you know, when something happens to your parent and, you know, here they're here and then they go down to here and they never quite make it back up to here. So this is the new baseline, and then the new baseline, and then the new baseline. Did it make, ever make you think about like your own uh, health and uh, like trying to avoid something similar happening to you? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, my mom uh, was not a fan of her medication. <laughs> Whatever that you know, I the side effects. Probably weren't not fun. I'm guessing. Uh, I I don't think it was that bad. I don't. I, I I remember just at one point her telling me like, "Oh no, I've decided I'm gonna cure myself with eating plants." I'm like, oh yeah, that's great, Ma. Don't don't you know? Why would you listen to medicine where they can make sure that you know? Because you know she had um, type two diabetes. I think it was okay. And she was supposed to take whatever that medicine was, and she just decided one day she was going to stop doing it. And you know, so I, I make you know, I'll tell you that after seeing how my mom went downhill, I'm pretty serious about making sure I get to the doctor at least once a year for a physical, you know, get the blood work. What you know, but I'm only fifty, and you know, nothing really major has happened to me health wise. I'd imagine that that first health scare will probably do more for me than it maybe did for my mom. I don't know. Growing up, um, of the five siblings, um, Uncle Jerry, Uncle Anthony, Aunt Josephine, and my mom all lived within four hours of each other. Your dad moved away to North Carolina, so we would only see him like once or twice a year. And it was always like, you know, 4th of July or Christmas. All of the children of Jerry, Josephine, Anthony, and Angela would see each other almost like a monthly basis. So I would constantly see tons of people that I was related to and have that familial bond. And I would get to see, you know, you, April, and Frederick once or twice a year. And that was about it. Our cousin Tom, I I saw Tom every other weekend mm -hmm. until I was 15 years old. So, you know, he and I had a tight bond. We were, were you know, six months apart, and I saw him all the time. He lives right down the street from me now, actually. Oh, that's great. I hope you get to see him a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like twice a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tom's dad is my Uncle Jerry. Wow, okay. I literally just made that connection, Tom and Jerry. God, I bet they hate that. His parents are older than mine, but neither of them has had a stroke. 
They lived 10 hours away in Florida. And Tom was older, so I saw him maybe three times while growing up. A few years ago, I bought a house in the same area of Atlanta as him, Decatur. It's not uncommon for me to meet someone and get asked, Are you related to Dr. Tom? He's so nice. He's their eye doctor, and they probably see him about as much as I do. Since I need something from him, I figured it was a good time to reconnect. Asked him to bring over his lovely partner, Denise, to fact check him. And because she gives me compliments. Here she is telling me about an open DNA database. And then I can take your code and your code and plug it in, and it'll cross-reference everything, and I'll say either we have matches in common or we don't have any matches in common. Oh, so, like, that should be built into dating apps, right? (laughs) You're absolutely right. I didn't think of that. (laughs) Everybody's probably distantly related then. Probably just everybody the creeps. Yeah. Health is a perpetual concern of my parents. Because they are very healthy and they, you know, now my brother has gotten much healthier, but I am still very overweight. So they've tried various ways to incentivize me and Denise to, you know, lose weight. The latest was like, you know, we'll give you some money for a personal trainer. I would love that, but I feel like first I need to, you know, lose weight before I start exercising. But you don't think that that's really the most important thing when it comes to like long-term health, right? Yeah, so I guess my feeling is that something's going to catch up to every one of us eventually, sooner or later. So I had, you know, appendicitis, you know, all things considered, that really was not something that was too life-threatening. So I feel like if that's the worst that happens to me. Well, you know that won't be the worst. But like, (laughs) I guess the idea is that over time, all the little things add up. I think he's underselling it by saying it wasn't life-threatening because if you saw the follow-up that we had to do and the medicine that we had to give, you would not say that. Well, your side of the family is like always in such like positive spirits. You're not faking it that good. I'm just thinking maybe you do if you think that that's part of it too. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, seeing a therapist on a regular basis, I think that's contributed a huge amount. Friendships as well as your, you know, your partner family is like super important and so you i think, haven't you think yeah, my so... mom um nagged my dad into this trip basically <laughs> I'm, just kidding. I'm sorry I, go on. no i was just gonna say that uh i think that's something that like i took for granted when i was younger and now i take that take it a little bit more seriously and probably still not the best at keeping up relationships but better hopefully you know it's my personally held belief that we should not hang around on this earth too long that, you know, 75 and out is I'm a big believer in that. Um, so he says that <laughs> until like, he hits 74. And then... like, it's going to be like over him with so, a pillow. Like this. Yeah. He's like, wait, 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 no, 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 I changed my mind. So maybe not be euthanized, but like, yeah, enjoy the amount of time you have here on this earth and then call it a day. My dad's home from the hospital, and he's feeling better, so let's check in on him. Hey. Hey, how's it going? Okay, how are you doing? Good. Uh, can you hear me okay? Yeah, very perfectly. Does it make you, like, want to change your... Yeah, of course. I would have gone totally plant-based. The more that I look at plant-based eating, the more I think that's a solution. Hard to do, but I've always backed out of it. Well, I mean, you put it all on plant-based, but, like, I mean, what about, like, you know, losing weight and stuff? 
Yeah, well, that's basically the same idea. Right. You know. Well, is it? Well, if you're plant-based, you lose weight. I mean, because it's like putting on this idea of plant-based as opposed to be like, I need to, you know, lose weight and need less high stuff high in cholesterol, you know? It's yeah, not... that too. Yeah, you don't want any cholesterol. A little cholesterol is possible. So, near where's cholesterol comes from? Animal products. If you don't have an animal product, you don't have cholesterol. And, and the worst thing, I had surgery, you know, gallbladder removed. That was easy. It was laparoscopic. It was really, really, I thought, well, yeah, it was great. She said, pee, I pee. If you pee, go pee. And I, she said, go home. And I went home and I couldn't pee anymore. So they sent me to the hospital. And I, what happens is when you get older, sometimes your bladder goes to sleep with the anesthesia and doesn't wake up. So you can't pee. And I go in and get a freaking catheter. And that's disgusting. That was really like, painful. Are you in the bathroom right now? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> because I'm recording this conversation. Oh, are you? Okay, what stuff would you have done or do you think would have been good like to do differently like in a preventative way? To avoid this? Yeah. Or to watch what they ate. Watch a whole lot more what I ate. In other words, you just can't eat fried foods and cracked hamburgers. And I'd be careful what I ate. I mean, this just catches up with you over years, especially if I knew that I was more subjected to this, then I would have been more careful. And I wasn't. I was just eating everything. Sometimes I'd get good and I'd be careful. And then sometimes i just eat all kinds of shit. Yeah, so you think the knowledge, like knowing beforehand, would have made a difference? Sure would have. Of course it would have. Well, I'm glad you're doing okay. And let me know what they say. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Thanks. So my dad's doing better. He's not dead or a different person, but he has to take his health deadly serious now. There is zero room for error, or that stroke will be the first of many. It happened to his sister, and according to my last physical and my DNA test report, I have the same dilemma. So it's pretty obvious what I need to do, right? Let's go back to what my cousin said. Phil probably needs his own podcast. He's hilarious. He focuses on staying thin, and intermittent fasting works best for him. Arnold isn't going to cut out the good stuff, but visits his doctor regularly to keep tabs on things. Tom's conclusion is that sooner or later, something catches up to you no matter what. So focus on a rich social and family life. My dad places it mostly on diet. He evangelizes the benefits of a plant-based diet, which I'm pretty sure is a fancy way of basically saying to just eat vegetables. I know a buttload of vegetables would make me thinner and healthier, but is it something I can actually commit to? I honestly don't know, but I'm gonna try. Tonight, I'm having my first dinner of vegetables with a side of vegetables. I like tomatoes, cucumbers, and beets, so that's what I'm having. Then I'm gonna take my dog for a walk. I don't wanna wait until I have an incident to start being healthier. I'm gonna start today. Big shout out to the 23andMe folks. I gave them a hard time, but they were actually really accommodating. And I really do recommend it. Not just because they're sponsoring the episode. Although I do wonder if they'd have let me make an episode trashing them. Doesn't matter. It's a really fun gift. So grab a kit and spit. And if no one's thought of that yet, um, TM. Prodigy was created and produced by me, Lowell Berlanti. The executive chef was Carolyn. Special thanks to Ben Juster and Yvonne Sheehan. 
I'm signing off now, but it's been a beautiful ride. And that's it on another dope show. Did this episode inspire you to take a closer look at your health history, your genetic makeup? Who knew DNA could reveal so much about our past while also holding the keys to certain health insights that may impact our future? I continue to be inspired by these stories, and I hope you do as well. Catch you next time. Listen to Spit, an original podcast from iHeartRadio and 23andMe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.